Now, <clears throat> I've been, or I started speaking last week about the kingdom of God. And I told you I didn't know whether that's going to become a series or just one time. Well, I got some more to say about the kingdom of God. I hope it's okay with you because this is a learning time and we want to learn everything we can from the Word of God. Amen. Now, we've got a theme. TARP, they call them up there. It says Thanksgiving. Now, uh, Thanksgiving is a kind of a harvest time celebration. People who were involved in agriculture would, when they had all the harvest in, they would give a thanksgiving to the Lord for the harvest. And uh, America, they celebrate Thanksgiving. It's usually the fourth Thursday of November. Is that correct, Americanos? Amen. And uh, I, I know that it's not a Filipino thing to set that date for Thanksgiving, but uh, uh, Thanksgiving was always a great day for me as a kid. My mom could put on a wonderful Thanksgiving dinner and she invited family, extended family. Sometimes we would have 30 or 40 people come to our house because when mom invites someone, you could better know it's going to be really good. She could make turkey, cook it, taste it so good, and the dressing. She used to make dressing, that they stuff it into the turkey while it's cooking, so all the delicious juices from the turkey would be in the dressing. And, and uh, she discovered a, a recipe for making an oyster Thanksgiving. Uh, uh, dressing. Have you ever had that, Sam? Yeah. Oh, that was good. I always looked forward to Thanksgiving, especially because I like pumpkin pie. And Thanksgiving, Mom would make a pumpkin pie, or well, maybe four or five pumpkin pies, depends how many people are coming. <clears throat> so we were taught young, to give thanks to the Lord for everything. So I grew up with teaching of thanksgiving. And uh, I can tell you, Mom or Dad, lots of times said to us kids, somebody give us something or do something for us. Mom would say, what do you say? And then we'd say, thank you. And... Uh, uh, we had a sister, Pastor Amelia Lim, preached in the first service. She brought a Thanksgiving message, and she talked about how these kids in our, our uh, United Bethel Christian Academy are taught to say thank you. When from the little kindergarten kids, they're teaching them to say the words thank you. And so... <clears throat> Uh, I was browsing through the internet the other day and I came across this. Putting Thanksgiving in our lives 
brings us into the peace, clarity to see the truth. Peace and clarity to see the truth. Powerful weapons for changing lives and the future is being thankful. Thankful for where we are. Thankful for what God has done for us. When we're thankful, that means that we're thanking God for what we receive from Him. We learn about how God favors a thankful heart from Scripture. Psalm 100, Psalm 107. We read both of those Psalms this morning. This up here is Psalm 107. It's on the tarp. I want to tell you this statement is true. So much is waiting for us on the other side of Thanksgiving. We're thankful first, and then God blesses us with his abundance. Thankfulness stirs us to receive what Jesus has already paid for us. Thankfulness stirs us to receive. Now the scripture says, give thanks in everything. In all circumstances, give thanks. And God will bless you. I learned a story about a, a man, not a member of this church, but uh, there was an auto accident and his son and two grandchildren were killed in the auto accident. And this man reacted to that and say, and he said, why, God, did you let this happen? Why, God, let this happen? And there's a theory that a lot of people have that if anything bad happens to you, it's because it's God's will to punish you for something. Um, I'm going to try to deal with that for just a, a moment here. The person who says, why, God, did you let that happen, is someone who's trying to little and minimize God down to man's size. Instead of seeing God as he really is, omnipotent, all-powerful, creator God, creator of the universe, the heavens and the earth, and all who dwell therein, He's the God, and we're not trying to bring him down to our size. But that's what that question does. Tries to bring God down to man's size. I don't have answers. A lot of times people say, why God let this happen? Well, I have to tell you something. It's not God. When man is in rebellion and sins, hears the gospel and goes on sinning, and then they wonders why some things happen. Well, uh, 
Like, like, for example, why doesn't God heal everyone? He promised to, right? He promised to heal. And we have a lot of miracles of healing taking place right here in this church. Amen. Sometimes people get healed sitting where you're sitting. It's just because when we were praying for the sick, that you believed God and God did something for you there. But I remind us that God is sovereign, and he always has the last word. Can you say that? Last word. God has the last word. We don't. Is that right? Do you think that's good theology? I think it's great theology. Amen. I don't take credit for the healing but I don't take the blame when someone is not healed. Then you should be in the same way. If God heals and uses you, you don't take credit for that. Heard a story. In a church, pastor said uh, he had a man in his church, had his own business, and his business went sour, and he was consolidating. And and, uh, uh, so one day... A lady came in the church, member of the church. She had an envelope, and she'd put a check in the envelope. And she said, Pastor, will you give this envelope to Brother Steve when he comes to the meeting? Steve is the guy that was losing his business. And the pastor said, well, the envelope wasn't sealed. So he looked in there. He said, that's a big check. That's a lot of money. So when Steve came in, the pastor said, Sister, so-and-so wanted you to have this. And he handed Steve the envelope. And Steve opened it, and he just got so excited. He was praising God for supplying his needs. He's praising God for answering prayer. He couldn't be quiet in the prayer meeting, the prayer time. Steve was heard very loud thanking the Lord for what was in that envelope. The pastor said, not once did Steve say to me, thank you. He said, all I did was pass the envelope on to Steve. And that's exactly what happens when a healing takes place or some other answer to prayer. You or I are messenger. And we give something, maybe it's a gift from God, like healing or a deliverance or a provision, a miracle. We may be just the messenger, so we don't expect people to say thank you to us. But I'm going to tell you something. We expect people to be thankful to the Lord when he gives them something, whether it's through another believer or through some other means. And when the gift of healing comes through some member, I've, I've been working for over a year to get people of the church to join in the laying hands on the sick and praying for them. I think it shocked some people last year when I asked all the deacons to come down because they hadn't been involved in praying for the sick. We had sick people in the altar, and I asked all the deacons to come and help us pray. And I've been giving the bottle of oil to various deacons to pray 
anoint this sick person and pray for them because the gift of healing is not mine. And it's not yours, but it's in the church. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. And God may use anyone to pass that healing on to a sick person. Now, how does the kingdom of God come? That was my introduction. How does the kingdom of God come? And... I will read some scripture to you. Um, by the way, that picture is a famous patented oil painting hanging on the wall in the lobby of the Assemblies of God World Missions Headquarters in Springfield, Missouri. Famous Christian artist drew, painted a picture of the woman who was reaching to touch the hem of Jesus' garment. She was saying, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I know I would be healed. Uh, you have to use your imagination. Jesus is the guy that is on the right side, your right side of the your right side of the picture, right. I got a picture here, too. You want to stretch your neck, look back, and see the picture up there. Jesus is wearing a tallit. He wore a tallit. That is called a, a prayer shawl in English. And in that tallit, the weaving of it is very specific and important. And God gave instructions to Moses in the law of Moses how a tallit should be made. And the, rabbinic, uh, 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 the rabbis determined that each one of the tassels, there's four corners on a prayer shawl, and each corner it has what we call a tassel. And there's a certain number of knots twisted into that tassel. Now, we, our daughter, Faith, knows how to make prayer shawls, and she, I watched her making those knots, and she was counting. She said, don't talk to me, I'm counting. And each time she made one of those tassels, I think there was uh, close to 100 knots in one of them. And, and so on the garment that Jesus wore, the, uh, the tallit that Jesus wore, there were four corners, and hanging down from the corners are tassels. This woman said, if I could touch the hem. Now, the old English used the word hem. Uh, that, that means the seam or the edge. But the true word, it means the, these, these tassels that are hanging down on the corners of the prayer shawl. This woman was saying, if I could just touch the tassel of his garment, I know I would be healed. Interesting, there was a crowd of people pushing around Jesus. Now, an artist painted this picture. doesn't show the crowd, but there was a crowd of people around Jesus. And when this woman was healed, Jesus said, Who touched me? And the disciples said, Lord, 
there's a crowd of people. How did, why are you asking who touched you? And Jesus said, because something, virtue, went out of me. Now, when we think of that, we didn't see anything, or we would, they wouldn't see anything, but something passed from Jesus into this woman. It was healing for her sickness. Twelve years, she had a sickness. Doctors couldn't heal her. She'd spent all of their money trying to find a cure. But Jesus healed her. I want you to know the kingdom of God touched that woman that day. You couldn't see it, but something passed into her life from Jesus. So when we talk about the kingdom of God, we're talking about God's kingdom here on earth. We're taught to pray, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Now that's King James. You can pray it in any language. still means the same thing. Father, your kingdom. Praying that your kingdom will come. <clears throat> In Matthew chapter 10, it says, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Now, in verse 5, it says, These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter into any town of the Samaritans, Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. Jesus was not being prejudiced. Jews and Samaritans didn't get along very well. When he told them not to go to Samaria, he wasn't ready to start building his kingdom in Samaria. He was still trying to reach the Jewish people. That's why he told, he told his disciples, just go to the people of Israel. He said, go to the lost sheep of Israel, and as you go, proclaim the message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. <clears throat> now, when this woman was reaching to Jesus, she was very close to the kingdom of God. She got healing. The kingdom of God, which is a kingdom of power, it's a kingdom of love. There's nothing more loving takes place in a church than when believers pray for a sick person and God, through those people, heals that sick person. That's a very loving event. So Jesus said to his disciples, tell them the kingdom of heaven is near. So uh, he didn't say preach the 16 fundamentals or the four points of the gospel. He said preach the kingdom of heaven. 
Now, I've been evaluating what I've been preaching, and I've been thinking about it, and I think I have not yet fully zeroed in on preaching the kingdom of heaven. I want to be in the kingdom. I am in the kingdom. The king rules in my life. You say that? I am in the kingdom. When you invite Jesus to come in, you invited him to be Lord and king of your life. His kingdom comes into your life when you invite Jesus to come in. Amen. It's interesting, Jesus told his disciples, don't carry a money belt with gold. Don't carry extra clothing. Don't weight yourself down with material possessions. Go and proclaim the kingdom of God. He said, if someone invites you into their home, then go into that home and say, the blessings of God be upon you. Now, <clears throat> when we say blessings of God, I, I, I'm afraid sometimes it, it gets too common with this and we don't really think of the impact and the significant meaning of God blessing another person. If that other person is not a believer, the first blessing they need is to be born again. But there's many blessings that God gives through his people. In the Old Testament, the priests were commanded to pronounce blessings on the people who brought offerings to the altar. But Jesus said, you bless the house. Now he said something, if they receive that blessing, in other words, if they receive the kingdom... Now, there's a danger today. There's some erroneous teaching going around about the kingdom of God. And once you're in there, you, you're never going to get out of it. Uh, we, we teach here, you can, you can deliberately walk out of the kingdom of God. That's called backsliding, or it's really called stupid. That wasn't taught in Bible school. But somebody who walks away from the kingdom of God is not, not recognizing how powerful and wonderful it is to be in the kingdom. Now, when Jesus said to his disciples, you go into a house, you bless that house. If I came to your house... I would say, God bless this house. I wanted to make sure the kingdom presence of the Lord was there. He's in me. He's in your house. If I came in, he, if you go to someone else's house and you're full of the spirit of the Lord, you can say, blessing on this house. And the blessing of God will be there. Jesus also said, if they rejected you, which means they reject the kingdom, he said, when you go out, 
you shake the dust off your shoes. That's suggesting that uh, someone really missed it when they could have had the blessings of the kingdom of God. <clears throat> now, I'm not going to talk about how to lose the blessing or how to get out of the kingdom of God. Uh, Satan can figure that out for you real fast. But I'd want to concentrate on being in the kingdom and how to grow in that kingdom. Now, <clears throat> I want to talk about being full of the Spirit before I go much further. I'd like for you to watch me, please, because I'm going to say something and illustrate something for you. I very seldom ever drink anything in the pulpit. I drink water. You know, some pastors I've seen have got a sport drink. This, this uh, Jake's, the black man in Dallas, he pours sweat. He preaches a simple message. The air conditioner is running, but he's big, and he, and he just drips sweat. And so he'll stop and get a drink. He's losing. He's dehydrating while he's preaching. Now, I, haven't, I haven't started perspiring yet. Brother Gordon told me before the service, we were out in the lobby, he said, you need to drink a lot of water. <clears throat> that's, that's, that's a good solution to a lot of people's health issues, drink water. Now, <clears throat> how many of you would say that this bottle is not full? Because you saw me taking a drink out of it. Okay, now you can see the water level in this one is about half full. I was working on this one upstairs this morning. Now, <clears throat> the kingdom of God is being full of the Holy Spirit. Now, listen to me carefully. You get saved. The Holy Spirit has to be already active working in your life in order for you to get born again. Okay? Now, baptism in the Holy Spirit is another Stage something that happens after getting saved. But I just want to talk about being full. Now, I personally want to be full of the Spirit of God, and I want to be full of the Spirit of God all the time. Now, I don't have to work up anything to get to the place where I can stand in the pulpit to preach. I'm already full of the Spirit of God. I know that I'm full of the Spirit. But if you, I want to illustrate what being full means. Now, you saw me drink out of here, so you know this is not full, right? And this one, you can see that it's about half full. Now, watch what I do. This one is not full, this one is not full, but if I do this, 
Hold still. Don't shake. Would you say that's full? You think that bottle's full? Now, here's how you know if it's full. Now, do you think that bottle's full? How do you know? Because it's overflowing. Amen. And that's what being full of the Holy Spirit means. You're full. Jesus said it's going to be like a river, a spring of living water inside of you that's going to spring up. You're going to bless other people. Well, you can't bless other people unless something in you gets out of you and goes into someone else. If you're carrying the message and there's someone who's waiting to hear, like Sister Ami on the campus of Beijing University, met a student sitting on a bench out there. This was 1984. And the student was crying, and she went up to him and said, why are you crying? And he said, I wish I could find someone to tell me how I could become a Christian. So Sister Ami, Pastor Ami, was full. And she was able to bless that student. Amen. Okay? Now, I made sure that I didn't do this over any electrical outlets because I might start dancing. And, uh, but I'm trying to help you to understand what it means to be full. So, when you're invited to come to the altar, you need a refilling, a new, another touch from God. That's what we're looking for, is the Holy Spirit to flow out of us. Amen. And when the Holy Spirit flows out of us, the gifts of the Holy Spirit go out of us in the same way. God uses vessels to bring his kingdom into people's lives. United Bethel is a wonderful church. We are a family. This is a big family called United Bethel. Amen? And it's wonderful how that people through the years have been blessed by the ministry that has gone out of people of United Bethel into others. Amen. I believe in the kingdom. Now let me go on to... Slide number five, kingdom of heaven versus the kingdom of darkness. There are two kingdoms that are opposed. And I, I want to talk to you about being a soldier, a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now, some people say, I don't want to be a soldier. I don't want to go to war. Uh, we've been in war for a long time here on this hill in Santa Mesa because the kingdom of darkness has come against this church inside and outside many different ways. But there are people in this church that are full of the Spirit. Amen. That are vessels of the Spirit of God. So when Jesus sent his disciples out, he said, preach the kingdom is near. 
Well, you stand near somebody and you say the kingdom is near, they're going to start to look around. And what are you going to say to them? Well, you're going to tell them about Jesus. And if they accept the kingdom of God, will it be a part of their life? Just like virtue flowed out of Jesus into the sick woman, or just like uh, when... Uh, Peter and John at the beautiful gate looking at a crippled man, crippled beggar and Peter said, look at us. And he said, I don't have silver and gold but what I have, I give to you. What did Peter have? Well, Peter was full. He was full of the Spirit of God. Amen. Peter and John, that, that lame beggar, was healed that day. Something went out of Peter and John into that man. So when we're talking about the kingdom of God, we, we, we recognize that the Satan has a kingdom, a kingdom of darkness, and the kingdom of God, we are in that kingdom of light. I quoted to you this scripture last week from Colossians chapter 1, verse 12. We give thanks to the Father who has qualified us, qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. Well, in the kingdom you are an heir of everything that belongs in that kingdom. <clears throat> Have you been troubled this week? You were looking for peace? Well, Scripture says the kingdom is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Being in the kingdom is joy and peace. When Jesus said, tell them the kingdom is at hand, that means that the kingdom which is invisible is about to become visible. It's visible in the changed lives that receive Jesus Christ. Now, one more thing and then I'm done. The kingdom of God sometimes is called the upside-down kingdom. In this world, we have a way of thinking this is how things should be. But the kingdom of God, for example, says, humble yourself. That's John, no, that's James 4, verse 10. Humble yourself, and he will lift you up. Kingdom of God comes when we humble Ourself. The world says you just get your public relations office, the people working for you, to put up a good show, make sure people only see the good side of you, and you can become popular, and you can draw crowds. But Jesus said not so the kingdom. He spoke to John, said the kingdom is humbling yourself, and then he will lift you up. Jesus said that, Empty self. This is now John chapter 4. He was talking to thirsty people. He said, thirsty people get filled. 
in the kingdom of God. So you empty yourself to be filled. I don't want to extrapolate too much on this about people who are already full of themselves. But scripture says empty self to be filled. In the kingdom of God, abundance is not measured by how much you have, but what you give away. Think about that. Jesus said, if anyone tries to save his life, he'll lose it. But he that loses his life for my sake gains life. That's an upside-down kingdom. Amen. Okay, I'm getting yawns and signals and all that, so I guess I better stop. I want us to pray. I'm praying that the kingdom of God will manifest, be manifest in this church as we release our life to God and we turn ourselves over to him and the Holy Spirit springs up and bubbles out of us and the people around us. Amen. We're coming on to a very important meeting of the church. I'm not making this as an announcement now. I'm stating something that's very significant. <clears throat> We're going to be electing deacons. This year, this business meeting, we have two slots that need to be filled. And the nomination process, you put your nominations over here in a box and the Board of Deacons, which is actually the nominating committee, took those and took the highest ones and the Board of Deacons had a process where they chose by secret ballot out of those many names that were proposed who would be put up as a nominee to be a deacon. Now I said we've got two nominations or two people but we have four names. This is called democracy. Now we in this church, and I'm saying in the Assemblies of God, we believe in Holy Spirit anointed democracy. I don't want to get into politics. It's interesting. Some evangelical pastors are saying that uh, President Trump is going to get filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, when you have a choice, Hillary or Clinton, or Hillary or Trump, I'm speaking as an American, I had a bad taste in my mouth. I didn't like either one of them. I don't like to be lied to, and I don't like to use somebody who uses very bad language. I don't want my grandkids to hear those words. I voted for Donald Trump. Now, I'm saying lesser of two evils. But I'm saying this because 
democracy is a, a means that you get to decide things. We in the democracy get to decide things, and so we get to vote on deacon or deaconess. And so I'm asking you to pray with me. We want the Holy Spirit to speak in the election. Okay? So we want him to speak while we are coming to time for voting. Now, I'm asking you not to be involved in campaigning for one deacon over the other. All right? Would you, would you be okay if I say I don't want anybody to campaign? Don't say, please vote for this person. He's my friend and this thing's going to... You know, we, I, I don't want that in the church. We want the Holy Spirit to speak to us. When we come to that time of make, casting a ballot, we want the be, Holy Spirit to be speaking through us. Amen? Uh, the names... Put them up now, please. These are the names that the Board of Deacons, who is the nominating committee, it's at the end of that PowerPoint presentation. I was told it's there. No, I've done it. I made people feel embarrassed because I can't find that thing. But it's there. And I'm, I'm just going to wait until we can see it. Don't feel bad. Huh? Don't. Candles. That's in case we have a brownout. We got candles. We're going to turn that on. when we. That's it. Leave the names up there now. We're going to vote elect two of these people to fill the empty slots in the Board of Deacons. Now, I'm going to ask those deacon nominees to stand because I want to introduce them to you in case, just in case you don't know them. So I'm going to ask Sister Chua Yu Lingling to stand, please. And would you just remain standing for a moment? And Sister Lu Narma, would you please stand, okay? Brother Yu Allen, would you please stand? Please stay standing. And Brother Yulo Jaime, please stand. Okay, thank you. These people are nominees. We're going to elect two of them to be on the Board of Deacons next, for next year. Thank you, you can sit down. Now, if you want to get better acquainted with them, and uh, I can promise you they will not be giving you any bribes. These people, I had to, we had to twist their arm to be able to get their name up there. They weren't, they weren't so really happy to be nominated, I have to tell you. But God blesses us with people with servant heart. And I think that is a characteristic of our Board of Deacons. Those people that are serving now on the Board of Deacons have a heart to serve the Lord. 
They are kingdom people. They are kingdom builders. Amen. Okay. Now, <clears throat> I want to prepare you for altar prayer at this time. And those who are presently deacons, I want you to come to the altar to help me. And I'm going to introduce you because I want everybody to know you. Deacons, please come to the altar. I asked them to help pray for people because uh, the scripture says in James, call for the elders of the church. In our church, elders are deacons. We haven't got a process to appoint someone differently than our deacons. So our deacons are coming, and Sister Amelia, Pastor Lim, is going to help pray, but she's not a deacon. Sister Amis, come over here a little bit. Now, I, make it, I just want to make it clear, she's not a deacon. She's a pastor. And our pastors do not serve as deacons. Okay, now if any of God calls any of you to be a pastor, then we're going to process you to become a pastor. Okay? Don't look at me like that. You say, well, I've got to get out of here before he asks me to do something. No. Uh, Sister Linda is not a deacon, but we sit on the board. I'm the chairman of the board of deacons by virtue of being senior pastor. And I have a vote but the other pastors do not have a vote on the board of deacons. Now, these seven precious people have been serving on the board of deacons. Now, I'm going to start with Sister Ling Ling. She's been on the board for three years. Before that, she took a sabbatical, etc. But she's this time she's up for re-election. That means they can serve three years, and then if they're re-elected, they serve another three years, six years total. Then they're asked to step down and take a sabbatical. Now, that's what's happened with Sister Norma Lou. Uh, last year, she ended her sixth year of being on the Board of Deacons, and then she'd been a year off. Now, uh, I won't talk about the tenure for these others, but they're still going on. Uh, we have, well, now, uh, Brother Franklin, his term will end December 31st, okay? But the other people up here, like Sister Wendy, Sister Vanjie, Brother Henry, Brother Ricky, and Sister Elena, they still are serving terms on the Board of Deacons. So, <clears throat> uh, I want you to kind of see this in the context that we're getting ready to pray for sick people. And these have been spiritual leaders in our church. All right? That's a big responsibility. Hear me. It's a big responsibility. And so we want the Holy Spirit to direct us in the voting process. Now, anyone who wants to come for prayer, uh, these precious people are going to help pray for you. 
So if you're sick, just come down to the altar. We'll pray for you. There's healing awaiting you here in this altar. Anyone want prayer for healing? Anyone? Okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs>